Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. The Avengers have burst back onto our screens this week, but the real blockbusters have been in French football. So who has been a box office smash, and who didn't even make the final cut? All of that and more after our latest headlines. Saint-Étienne continued both their superb second half of the season and their grip on a Europa League place by beating fellow European chasers Montpellier on Friday night. Roman Hamouma's early strike helped maintain Lever's unbeaten run that now dates back to the 21st of January. Lyon notched their sixth win in a row to rise into second after they put Nantes away with a 2 nil win. Memphis Depay and Bertrand Traore scored for Legon on Saturday, who are now frontrunners for that automatic Champions League place. That happened because in the multiplex on Saturday, Monaco were held to a nil-nil draw at home to Amiens, with both sides finishing with 10 men as Adama Diakabe and Prince Desir Guna, both seeing red in added time. Elsewhere, Lille took a huge step forward with a 3-1 win over Lowly Mets, who are now six points from safety with just three games remaining, while Trois also gave their survival hopes a boost as they came from behind to win 3-1 against Caen. In the other games on Saturday, Strasbourg missed out on moving further away from the drop zone with a one-all draw against Nice, as Bordeaux won their mid-table clash with Dijon 3-1. On Sunday, Wren came from a goal behind to beat to, uh, to lose 2-1 at home. Those three points keeping them well in the hunt for European football. While Le Ville are now looking over their shoulders, two points above that dotted line, with Lille coming to the Municipal next weekend. Marseille failed to take advantage of Monaco's slip-up as they drew one all with Angers, with one eye firmly on Thursday's second leg against Salzburg in the Europa League, while PSG had Edinson Cavani to thank as they came from behind to draw 2-2 with a superb Gangomp side in the same week that Unai Emery announced his summer departure from the club. In Ligue 2, we will welcome Stade de Reims next season back to Ligue 1 as champions of the second division, two years after their relegation, while Nîmes will need will be at least a playoff semi-finalist after they hold well, as they now hold an eight-point gap with two games to go. And that's all for now. But for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that Europa League victory, as we had no Thursday show in it. But Marseille definitely need to be highlighted there because they pulled off a superb result in a rocking velodrome on Thursday night against Red Bull Salzburg. A 2-0 win gives them a huge boost ahead of the next game in Australia later this week, Rich. Um, but that scoreline for starters and against the side that have pulled up some real trees in the Europa League of the... the Longest standing team so far in the entirety of Europe, having played the, one of the first qualifying rounds. But what a great result to get at home in Europe, not giving an away goal and giving them a real chance of qualifying for, for the final. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think on paper, um, it was a it's an excellent result. Um, I think you look at the performance, um, you look at what they've had to go through. They've had, you know, they've lost. At unfortunate time, they're they're losing and have lost a couple of key players, 
Um, so to take a 2-0 win into the second leg of a semi-final in any cup competition, I think can be looked at with um, you know, a feeling of we're 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 probably over halfway there. I think if you looked at the performance though in a little bit more detail, um I think perhaps the more the more ardent Marseille fan might think through the the you know they dominated the the majority of the match certainly in the early stages and then um in large parts of the second half maybe if they're being really picky and knowing what what Salzburg can do at home as as certainly Lazio can attest from the previous round maybe another goal um would have been uh, would have been pretty handy and it's a, it's an obvious thing to say but as I say we we know, we know what Salzburg can do they, you know, they will have, you know, they've turned around certainly a bigger deficit than this um, in, in the previous round. So it's it's certainly, they're going to see it as a doable um, comeback. Um, I think the key thing for Marseille is that Salzburg didn't score, although they came very close to. I think they hit the woodwork um, and had one or two um, uh, opportunities where I think Marseille were perhaps a little fortunate. Um, but all in all, you know, t- as I say, 2 0, you can't really complain. Um, all in all, it was a good performance. Um, and they can they can go to um go to the second leg, I think, with confidence that they are, you know, tentatively anyway, one foot in that final. Yeah, it was a real blood and thunder velodrome packed the rafters on Thursday night. One of those moments that you see sometimes in, in French football where you get the 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 hair standing on end when the when a Stadium's really rocking and getting behind their team, but Salzburg put in quite a fight, like you mentioned, Rich. They they had the post. They had possibly a, a really good shout for a penalty dismissed by the referee. Um, obviously Marseille for the first thirty minutes, I thought were were, were the better side and, and grabbed a deserved goal. And and it was Rudy Garcia again, who's had it. Well, I want to come on to in a minute, the moment, but brought on NG um, with about sixty minutes. So, on an, in, for a midfielder as well in Lopez, and he's the one who who grabs the second and important goal because now an away goal in in Austria really puts um, the the opponents up against it. And Jesse, it, we've talked about Marseille a number of times this season, really, and how good they have been in certain scenarios. They felt maybe a little bit lucky, but I think the one constant and the one thing we can say for certainty behind this success for Marseille this season and their improvement is that man, Rudy Garcia, who's made the right calls at the right times and showed it in that Europa League game that changing things just at the right time has given them an extra edge when they needed it. Yeah, I think he's, um, you know, he's he's a class act as a manager. He's proved it um, in the past in France. Um, you know, although it didn't finish brilliantly, I think he, he did a, a very good job. Um, at Roma as well, which I think only sort of enhanced his reputation. And yeah, I, th- I think he's an excellent manager. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of seen debates this year where you can probably argue the toss either way that the fact that they're beating everyone um, below the top three proves what a good manager he is because um, he's sort of getting the best out of the players. And, you know, it's not easy to, to have that consistently good record. Other people have said, well, you know, a really good manager would be able to get those, eat those results out against the very top players. But considering this is the start of the Marseille project, it's not the greatest ever squad that he's got to work with. Um, he's doing a fantastic job. He's got, um, you know, Tova having the season of his life. He's doing it without, um, uh, you know, a really 
top class centre forward as well. So, you know, he deserves all the credit. And as you said, um, you know, Marseille did ride their luck at times on Thursday, but it was, you know, it was one of those managerial masterstrokes that he brings in G on. It wasn't the obvious substitution necessarily to make, and and he's the one that that um, well put the match to bed and possibly the tie as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, you, like we say, Salzburg have been terrific. They have leaked goals as much as they've scored them and, and nicking one away from home while they, they showed against Lazio that they're not afraid to, to push forward. That really another goal should possibly really push them over the line. But Rich, there is still Warriors ahead of that Europa League game, or the, the big one, and it, it seems strange saying it now, but you wouldn't have said this a couple of months ago, but um, Kostas Mitroglu um, it will likely be unavailable, having uh, picked up something during the weekend as well. Um, them finally having a focal point, we were mentioning a couple of weeks ago, felt like, especially with his form, um, gave them an extra edge, but losing that and possibly having to have Valer Germain, and that's usually on paper at least not a bad replacement but at the same time the the Greek international has been a, a force and would be a, a big miss in, the, in that one uh, absolutely it it almost it almost wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't if he doesn't even go with Germain it, it, I think Germain would give you um a, certainly a, a, well maintain that sort of more focal point up front but he may he may even chuck and G there and think well let's have a bit more mobility Let's have a bit more pace um, because Marseille, I don't think, should be going to Salzburg with the game plan of protecting that. You know, go there, for, go there to grind out a nil, you know, nil-nil draw, for example. I don't think that's the game plan Marseille should should go for. I don't think it's it's in their style. Um, I don't think the certainly the defence is strong enough to to sort of withstand that pressure and maintain that level of discipline for for ninety minutes. So. I think it wouldn't surprise me if 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 NG is called upon from the start as a as a sort of lone striker to provide that movement. Um, you know, he can then have Tovan and the Campos um, either side of him with with Pae just behind. Um, but I think just touching back on 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 giving um, you know, Rudy Garcia just praise, I think the way he's managed Metroglou, um, although he's you know, and it, as you say, it it seems weird that we're saying that he's going to be a miss considering. What a torrid start to his Marseille career, certainly the first few months. But I think the way he's managed Mitroglou in finally, okay, finally realizing that perhaps he's not, you know, he's he's not in great form, benching him, introducing him from the bench, eventually building up the confidence that he comes off the bench and was was proving to be a real real impact off the bench. Um uh, and then eventually, obviously, the confidence returns and he, he brings him in from the start and the, the scoring spree continues. And it's the Metroglou that I think they hoped they'd signed at the start of the transfer window back in January. So I think that's that's a, another area that we can really give Garcia praise in the way that he's managed that situation to rescue a player who was really struggling for confidence and bring him back up to, to the top level. Um, but... <laughs> I, I just have concerns about how how they do go about this game. I, I I fear I fear they will go after the nil nil draw, and I fear they will go out and try and defend this lead. Um, and I just feel that certainly in those opening that opening half hour, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous game to because once you've gone out with that attitude, it's very difficult I think mid game to change it 
I think if you can go out positive, thinking let's nick an early goal, I'd probably, you know, touch wood, would put, would put the tie to bed. That's the attitude to go with. That's how, you know, Marseille have certainly played. When they, when they, Marseille have been at their best, that's the attitude that they've taken into games to go after them. They've got attacking players throughout who are in form, who are playing really well. Utilise that. Don't just sit back on that defence, which, okay, has held up so far, I think, for the certainly the last few weeks, has, has held up relatively well, but it's still not a particularly strong defence. You've not got your first-choice goalkeeper. Um, you know, Luis Gustavo may be deployed in centre-back, and no matter how fantastic a season he's had, he is ultimately not a centre-back. Um, and there will be moments where he will be caught out. Um, and so defending a lead for 90 minutes... I don't think with that defence that they've got is the attitude they should be taking. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Rich. This team is is built for blood and thunder, like I say, with the same as the same as the stadium. Really, I don't think you can uh, try and go and defend against a team that you know with a weight of history behind them. You know, the first Austrian Austrian team in a long, long while to reach a European final um, would be really momentous for them. So I. I I can't imagine that um, you want to risk trying to, to hold it back. But we've got that to look forward to on Thursday. But moving on to their, their league form, at least anyway, in part at least, because there is that battle for second now, Jez, that Monaco have allowed really others to go for. And while Marseille didn't take advantage of uh, Monaco's nil-nil draw against Amiens with a one-all draw against Angers, someone who did is Leon, who move into second place in that automatic Champions League place. And there's some weird permutations coming up, possibly if uh, Marseille do reach the Europa League final. But focusing on Leon for a moment, it was another good win against an outside that have really plundered over the last sort of couple of months or so but at the same time six wins on the trot I mean we were mentioning at the first half of 2018 that Leon were falling off a cliff and now they are really rising to the occasion and we've mentioned behind Memphis Depay already but with everyone back fit and, and all firing all those cylinders they have to be favourites for that spot now don't they? Um, yeah I think so I mean looking at the three matches that, that each team have got left I mean there, there is potential for all teams to, to drop points. And Lyon, Marseille, for example, have both got Nice, who, like Lyon, Marseille, um, it, it just depends which Nice turns up on the day. But you've got to put Lyon's favourites, the runner form they're in, the fact that they've got now got second to defend, the goal difference they've got. Um, and, yeah, as you said, sort of everyone's back on form at the same time. Um, there seems to be... Um, unless they're just hiding it well, there seems to be a lot more um, sort of peace and harmony um, within the squad than, than there was earlier in the season. Um, Fekir has just come back from injury and is you know looking really sharp the last couple of matches. And yeah, I mean, the, you know, we've spoken a lot about how it was just bizarre how, you know, they they just beaten PSG. You thought, right, this is set up for them to, to really go on a good run now. And, and instead, they, they had a terrible period. But since they've beaten Marseille, I think it's maybe seven league wins in a row. And as you said earlier, six six wins in a row in all competitions. And um, Depay has, has been outstanding during that period. Um, and, you know, playing in a, in a couple of different positions as well and um, sort of forcing Genesio into... Um, a change of formations so that he can accommodate the pie up front and still bring, bring Fekir back in as well. 
Um, they really are sort of sport for choice in terms of personnel and players. Bertrand Traore, who had, took a while to settle, is playing well now. And, you know, Diaz, who's had a fantastic season, is, is at the moment um, struggling to get that much game time just because so many of the, the other players are on form. And um, you know, the, um, the LFP released a, a sort of widget today where you can you can make up your own um, league A team of the season. And all the ones that I was seeing other people post, although um, they didn't all have necessarily the same players, everyone seems to have either Aruwa or Ndombele in the midfield. And, you know, to, for two kids, basically, um, in their you know their first season at the very highest level to to be getting that much recognition even if it's just from sort of Twitter pundits, um, not necessarily experts, just says so much about how well they've been playing as well. So, all things considered, Lyon are the favourites, but you know that there definitely could still be a couple of twists and turns. Knowing the three teams involved, the teams that they're playing. Um, I don't think it's necessarily going to be straightforward nine points out of nine for all three of them. No, absolutely not. And that's there's bound to be twists and turns coming up. And there's possibly even in the summer, I mean, there's rumours that um, another Leon player, Goebbels, is, is partially on his way to Monaco, but they're, they're hardballing them and coming on to, to Monaco, really. And talking about players possibly coming in, Rich, but players possibly going out, really, because... A lot of the heads seem to be turned. There's there's rumours there's a bit of disrest in the, in the squad as well with Jao Moutinho uh, signing a new deal and, and others waiting on contract extensions. They've been held off to the summer. That has d- displeased a few of them. But at the same time, that, that discontent, that sort of waiting for the summer, some, some maybe holding back for, for World Cup campaign, some maybe thinking I don't want to get injured ahead of the summer for a possible move away it's all led to this dysfunction that's slowly eaten away at their leader and now they're in danger not only of finishing third but if it continues like this they might be out of the champions league places altogether yeah it's curious i mean one thing i think throughout this certainly the last two or three seasons with monaco one thing i could never accuse them of is is sort of a poor mentality of of players allowing themselves to be distracted and and given the impression that they don't really care about the club anymore and are just interested in in the season finishing and, and getting a move away. Um and it's 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 quite sad, I think, to see to see Monaco sort of having their season just coming to a, a sort of really miserable end. Um you know, you sort of look at their recent fixtures and okay, losing a you know, losing the uh, the, the Coupe de France um the Coupe de la Ligue final, sorry, against Paris Saint-Germain was to be expected, I suppose. But performances since then, arguably performances even just before then, have hardly been the Monaco that we know. You know, they sort of laboured to a draw at Rennes. They laboured to a win at home to Nantes. They then had that 7-1 thrashing against uh, against PSG. They then were a victim of another thrashing in a way. They were losing 3-1 at Gangol. And then just a really... Just uh, it was just a very weak, weak performance. Players just didn't seem interested. Um, you know, they were booed off the pitch. It's just the, the discontent was clear, um, and it just leads you to think that there's going to be big changes, and there might have to. There's almost going to have to be big changes because you can't take that kind of attitude 
and, and the players that have displayed that kind of attitude into 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 the new season. Um, and it's just disappointing, I think. I mean, it's made for a, a fantastic end to the season for for the neutral because we've now got this three way battle for for who's going to finish second. Um, but you know, this should have been this shouldn't have been the case. Monaco, what a month ago, maybe a little bit more. They had second place sewn up and they were cruising. And maybe that was a thing. Maybe they the players then just took their their eye off the ball and just thought, well, we've got second place. You know, Leon and, and Marseille can't seem to string, you know, two consecutive wins together or two consecutive strong performances. We've got this in the bag. And lo and behold, we're at a point now where, you know, their next game is away at Caen. I can't sit here and say, oh, yeah, Monaco are going to win that game. You know, and then that that's not the Monaco that we've we've come to expect. You know, that should be a walk in the park for Monaco, but it isn't going to be. It's going to be really tough. And as strange as it sounds, you wouldn't be too surprised if Khan mixed something from that game. Now, you know, the the, the sort of senior management and, uh, you know, all the way up to the very top with, um, with the guys in charge, they're going to have to recognise that. They're going to have to recognise that. What's gone wrong this season? Is it that players who were, were perhaps promised moves last summer or in the winter have, have you know, sort of thrown their toys out of the pram? Because it certainly seems to be the case with with Lamar. And I, I don't like criticising Thomas Lamar because I think he's a really good player. But his attitude, and I, I'd mentioned it a few weeks ago that I was worried that there was a, a I'd noticed a slight change in, I think it might have been the Coupe de la League final. It, it's, it's just free fall downhill. And he's an absolute ghost of the player that he was, and it's it's not it's not painting him in a good light. It's painting him in the light of, well, here's just another one of these these players who you know it's it's player power and no 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 loyalty to the club. He's not been as as good as he has been the last few years. Um, by by no means he's been anywhere near that level. Um, and it's just a shame because. Deep down, I'm I'm still of a belief that that's not the Thomas Lamar. He's not that kind of player. But I I find it increasingly difficult to defend him when we see performances as we saw at the weekend because it was just symptomatic of of how Monaco have been for the last few weeks. And it's a shame because you don't like to see this this project coming to an end. But this this and I think Jeremy's touched upon it in an article he put up today. This era of of Monaco has drawn to an end and. And someone's going to have to come in, be it new players, be it new management, and freshen things up. Because, you know, at the minute, it's it's reached a little bit of almost a point of stagnation. So changes are going to have to be made. Uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. But if they don't have that fourth place, that's going to have a big, big impact on the kind of players I think they can bring in. Yeah, it's a real... A little bit of worry to end the season. We mentioned a few weeks ago that they, they had a stellar second half of the season and that seemingly our um, Leonardo Jardim teams tend to go. But at the same time, it feels like they're on the beach. Maybe he's hoping that there might be possibly a summer move even for him to, to maybe allow this not to tarnish his, his uh, reputation, especially for next season doesn't seem as positive as it has because you're looking at players like Adama Kadir Kabe who got sent off. He's 
still a young player, obviously, but it was maybe a little bit early anyway, but he's maybe not had the impact over someone like Thomas Lamar had when he uh, first, first joined the club. I don't really want to be blaming uh, too many players, but that, that next generation, at least anyway, at the moment, doesn't look like it can, it can step up to the plate. But there is some, I just wanted to quickly mention before we move on that that interesting permutation would be um, if Marseille do make the uh, Europa League final, um, they essentially um, would make third. Well, if they, for example, finish fourth, if they obviously win, they're in the Champions League automatically, which would be great for teams in Lyon. But if they lost, they would be handing possibly Lyon or possibly Monaco a automatic Champions League place because of how the Europa League rules work with um, Atletico already having qualified through their league position. But on to the other big news in this week in French football. I, I say big, but it's probably the worst kept secret in French football. Um, and that's Unai Emery will no longer be Paris Saint-Germain manager after this season. It's been expected. Um, um, and frankly, it feels a little bit like maybe they've given him the dignity to say he's leaving rather than being sacked, which is, which is at least a little bit of a positive on a PR stance, but at the same time, Jez, I want to think back, looking back at his career in league and his two seasons, obviously winning a league title, won four dom- well, three domestic competitions in the final of a fourth as well, that obviously will come at the end of this season. But the two Champions League exits, one after a fantastic result against Barcelona, then it gets turned around and, and one of the most embarrassing ones really for him. And then, didn't really compete against Paris Saint-Germain in the way they would have expected to, but also with Neymar out in the second leg, that didn't help either. Um, can his reign co- be called a success? No, I don't think so. Overall, no. Domestically, you know, it's, I, I didn't realise until um, sort of re-watching highlights tonight that um, Gagnon's draw this weekend, that's the, the first points that anyone has taken from from PSG at home this season um so uh, you know had they gone the whole season um winning every single match at home um should they break the the record for the for the most points won in a season i still feel that overall you have to say no um you know another treble great but blanc one two of them it's not it doesn't feel such a special achievement anymore. And they're so, it might be unfair to say so, but they're so dominant domestically that he can't really be judged by that. And even then, you know, there's two seasons. One year he he lost the title and this PSG team with the resources they have, they should be walking the title year in, year out. So, you know, even the fact that he didn't win the title, but both years in charge I think goes to his discredit and then unfortunately as we said so many times before PSG are now playing or looking at the level where they have to be judged on the Champions League and to some extent I do think he's been unlucky that as you said it was a brilliant performance in the first leg against Barcelona and the second leg um you know, they they can look at a few dodgy refereeing decisions that went against them, but the fact is that they should never have even put themselves in the, that position where they were vulnerable to those um, to the whims of the referee. Um, and I do think that he should take the blame for some of that. And then this season, it all looks so good at the start. You know, absolutely smashing Bayern Munich. But then even as the group stage went on, there was a little bit of. Um, 
taking the foot off the pedal, I think. And then they were very unlucky to get Real Madrid in the next round. And and again, until the last ten minutes of the of the first leg, all looked very good. But then there was just there was no reaction. There wasn't a good enough reaction after that. And Emery has to take some of the blame for that. Certainly not all of it. We've just discussed before that the players are responsible, that El Khalifi, I think more than anyone else, is responsible for basically giving the players too much power and also, I guess, hamstringing Emery in that he wasn't, you know, he didn't strengthen in the positions that clearly needed to be strengthened. So, you know, lots of mitigating circumstances. But overall, I think you have to say that despite what one, two, three, four, five probably titles um, or trophy wins in, in two seasons, um, I'd say no, not a success. Which always sounds a little bit strange, doesn't it? When you think that a league title and, and three domestic cups anywhere else would, in, in, in larger leagues at least anyway, would be seen as a, a great success. But, but, but Rich, he's measured against not just the, the money, but peers as well. And you think that Laurent Blanc obviously won just as many trophies, or really more, because of obvious because they, they didn't lose the league title during his reign, but they, they did have that funny season with Monaco being excellent. And they had some good moments, really. It felt maybe like that initial Barcelona result gave him a massive boost, but at the same time, the, the second result really condemned him in the end. And it almost felt like... I feel a bit sorry for, for saying this, but almost like a pity year, this one, essentially. They bought a load of players and it allowed him to stay on to sort of almost prove their own point of that he wasn't the man to lead them on. And at the same time, while that's that's a little bit unfair, at the same time, this was the stage for him to prove that he was he was worthy of, of this big step up, having done so well with Severe. And it, obviously, it's uh, not turned out to be, uh, to be that way. Yeah, I think it... it... You know, you, you can't you can't knock the guy. I mean, he saw you know he's offered this opportunity to 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 take a you know an amb an incredibly ambitious free spending club to the next level. You know, he'd won three consecutive Europa leagues. Why not? It, 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 in theory, it made sense for him to do that. Sadly, it, it just didn't pan out. That second leg against Barcelona, as you say, that that probably tainted him. And then to combine that with with not winning the league in his first season, I think meant he was probably condemned from the start of this season. And they they as you say, it was a bit of a pity decision of well, we can't fire the guy after only one season. Um, you know, we've made a point of of bringing in these big name players. We've made a point of of hiring this guy on a multi year contract. Uh, we made a point of saying look, this is a guy that's a step up from Laurent Blanc. And it, it didn't happen in the first year. They were they were knocked out in an earlier round of the Champions League, didn't win the league and title. Um, and so I think the decision was I think to be honest, he could have he could have won the league and title in February, the semi semi-finals of the Champions League. I still don't think they'd have kept him on at the end of this season. I think the writing was on the wall for what happened last season. And then to, to, again, go out at that, that earlier stage in the Champions League hasn't helped. Um, I, think, I don't think the football PSG have played has been as scintillating, scintillating as it could have been um, with the talents at their disposal. Um, and I, I absolutely do not put that, uh, that element of blame on Emery. That very much is a, 
uh, a finger point at, at El Khalifi and his his transfer policy and his desire to create, as I keep calling them, the Galacticos Mark II. That's just, it's not going to work. It really isn't going to work. You need to build a team. But we've had that discussion, I'm sure, numerous times before. But I think what, you saw, what you've seen, I think, in the last week probably sums up Emery's time in charge of PSG. Because we've seen in the, in the 7-1 win over Monaco, probably the best football PSG have played in the QSI era, I think. That half an hour against PS, uh, against Monaco was the best football I think I have seen PSG play since the Qataris came in. I struggle to find, I struggle to get someone to find me a better half an hour of football than that, which is great, but it was only half an hour in one game. In that same month, we've probably seen arguably PSG's two worst performances in in the Qatari era. The away at Saint-Étienne, where they got the most fortunate of of, uh, of equalisers with that 95th minute Debussy own goal. And uh, apart from a 10-minute spell at the end where they pulled the two goals back, they were absolutely abysmal, I thought, against Gangon, um last night as well. And Obviously, that's you know that's poor performance over more games than we've seen the amazing football, which I think has probably summed up that Emery era. He has at times been able to get PSG playing some brilliant stuff. Sadly, it's nowhere near consistent enough. It's nowhere near long enough that I certainly, as a, as a neutral watching PSG, would expect them to do. And sadly, we've still had too much of the sort of dross football where players don't seem interested. That the attitude is that Liga and is this walk in the park, this easy. We're gonna we're gonna win it no matter what we do. We just need to turn up for, you know, a few minutes each game. Again, I don't know how much of that blame I put on Emery. Um, you know, that is it's a, such a such a difficult job. Um, the conditions that he's got, the players that he's got, you know, El Khalifi breathing down his neck and and interfering so frequently. It's a very, very difficult job, and I'm sure we'll come on to who could potentially do that job. But all in all, it's it's not been a success for Emery. Um, I hope it doesn't tarnish his managerial career because, as I say, I defy the majority of managers in world football to come in and do a, you know, a much better job in those circumstances because I really don't think there'd be many. I think that's the thing. that um, I mean, it's... Certainly, the for example, the Gangon match, you can, you know, PSG players, they're not the first to the end of the season with nothing to play for, whether it's because you're mid-table or you've already won the league, whatever. You know, it's not the first time a team is sort of mentally already on holiday. Um, but the problem is that, that, you know, this has happened several times before throughout this season, throughout other seasons. And, you know, it's it's not obvious who to blame. I think possibly a few of the the players that PSG have got have just got that kind of personality that they're the type that do that kind of thing and I think possibly it's the same kind of personality that that leads to the fact that they can't switch it on enough or they don't have the the sort of you know they're they're winning but you get the impression that some, some of them aren't born winners they're not the type that would do whatever it takes to to win things and that's why you know you, you imagine I don't know. 
I don't like to compliment him, but Cristiano Ronaldo, he's always going to be switched on, even if there's nothing to play for, because he's going to be wanting to break record after record, even if it's for purely selfish reasons. Um, and therefore, when it comes to the really important matches, he's going to be even more switched on and used to being switched on and be at the top of his game for those matches. And it's a lot of these PSG players are the type that because they pick and choose their matches, they're not able to turn it on when they really need to. Um, I think it's partly the the players' personalities. I think it's partly the the way that they're they're treated by Al Khalifi. So they they sort of believe the 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 hype that he gives them. Um, and you have to kind of blame Emery or whoever the manager is for not having the strength um, to to turn that around in them. But I think it is a losing battle. Um, I think he's you know, he's got people behind him who are undermining him, and you know, he's clearly I think he has very little say in in the personnel that he or certainly that he he brings into the club, but probably even that he puts onto the pitch. So. Um, you know, uh, I blame him a little, but I do feel very sorry for him. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny balancing act, isn't it? I mean, the Paris Saint-Germain job feels like a bit of a poison chalice because you sort of are hiding to nothing. You have to win everything domestically, and then you have to get pretty close to the Champions League, as in at least a semi really was expected this season for Unai Emery to really save his job, and that, that baton will be passed to someone else in the summer whether that will be Thomas Tuchel as, as the bookies favourite really at the moment or someone else we we should wait and see but that will be an interesting one to follow see who does get it and if they can uh, do something to keep on holding it for longer than uh, than a couple of years at least but let's look at those that might be losing their league status uh, this season and the relegation battle took another turn this week as Lille beat Metz, Trois beat Caen and Toulouse let it slip against Caen but we'll start with Metz Jez and and obviously I want to come to you first on this one they're now six points adrift with three games remaining it's been a real great fight back really in, in the second half of the season when we thought even though they won the last two games of the first half of the season, and it felt still felt like they were a million miles away from safety. But to even have had, stood a chance with three games to go is, is quite a result. And while it'll take a, mon- a real monumentous effort to to stay up now, um, it's been at least uh, well, at least they've given it a good go. Is probably the best way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there were there were a few times this season where it looked like um, we were never going to get as as close as sort of well we're not officially relegated yet it will go to the last week or two um which is yeah it at times that's been unthinkable um after the Lille match Frederick Hans said you know every crunch match every crucial game that, that, that we've had we've lost and the amazing thing is that they've had that many crunch matches and that they're as I said, that they're still sort of fighting and still got a chance. And I don't know if it's to their credit or to the discredit of other teams that they haven't all managed to, to pull away from this. The frustrating thing is that, you know, again, that the goal they scored against against Lille was, again, Dosavita Rue. Rue is now, again, ahead of, of Mbappe in the scoring charts. Dosavita Rue, the combination is joint best alongside Neymar to Cavani in terms of assists to goal scorer. Um, I think he's got 11 or 12 assists now and Rue's got 14 or 15 goals. I forget, but for a team that's been rock bottom for the whole season, those are really impressive stats. And 
it also makes it pretty obvious, although goal scoring was a problem at the start of the season, it's obvious that the, the real problem for Mess has been um, you know, further back. And uh, Andrew Gibney, who's, I think was at the match and is a Lille fan, he said that for the most part, Mess played the better football, but you, you give other teams easy chances. Teams like Lille, who've really been struggling to score and to win, gives them a chance to, to build up so, some confidence and a head of steam. Um, you know, they're already 1-0 down. I think the killer goal was the one in injury time of the, of the first half, which, you know, was, was a real sort of sucker punch. But even then, Mess sort of came, they came back, they pulled the goal back. Um, Menon pulled off a, a great save to keep it at 2-1. And then, um, again, Paul defending, um, lets Lille in for the third goal. So with the, the defence, defensive performances or non-performances last year as well, but this year, I think in particular, um, that they unfortunately they can't they can't expect to stay up. Um, amongst Mess fans, there's a lot of bitterness about the um, the summer transfer policy. Um, didn't think it was very good at all. Didn't invest well enough. The money received from um, the sale of Ismail Assar. No one really understood why we didn't go after Diabate properly again um, after the amazing effect that he had in the second half of last season. So there is quite a bit of bitterness amongst the fans. And at this stage, it's difficult to see how they're able to pick themselves up next season. We're all assuming that um, Dossavi and Rue won't be there, that Neokate has been the only um, the only positive of any kind in the defence, that he probably won't be there. Um, Kawashima said he's happy to stay, but no one's made any commitment one way or the other yet um so <laughs> it's a bit like monaco in that mess do seem to be having quite a big squad overhaul every every summer but obviously not quite at the level of of monaco which is um yeah with and without the, the money to spend or to invest in in youth which makes it slightly more difficult so they you know they they slipped down regularly the last few seasons and they have managed to yo-yo back up so we live in hope that they'll do it again but um i think most fans are, are slightly more pessimistic this time than the last time they went down for example and league de, at the moment i think is a little bit like the championship in 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 england i think it's actually a much better more compelling more competitive division overall than the top flight um, so I think it's you know, it's getting ever harder to to get out of it. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting uh, an immediate return to League One this time, unfortunately. Yeah, League is, is such a tough division to get out of. Although obviously that expanded playoff does help some teams, but it's that sort of weird Scottish style one where there's a quarter final and a semi final. It makes it um, have so harder to get back into League One than it than it was uh, before. But it, with that defeat comes a great win, really, for Lille and a, and a much, much needed one, Rich, just as they um, looked like, like that they were slipping and that maybe a, a win for the other side would have possibly um, pretty much relegated them. But they, they live to fight another day and, and have a real chance now, if you look at the table. I mean, with the other results going, well, at least a, if, in terms of safety, going their way with the, with the Toulouse defeat and the Strasbourg only picking up a point they're only three behind them they're two behind to lose that there's a real battle on that for that spot now and with Lille facing to lose which will be the absolute game to watch on uh, 
on Sunday for absolute certain you need to tune into that one because um, that's going to be a firecracker, isn't it? It absolutely will be. I mean, it's 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 such an important win because this, it, as 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 odd as it sounds, considering that's only that that win was only their third league win since the turn of the year. I don't think in the last few games, maybe the Marseille game aside, but I think Lille themselves wrote that one off with with their with their focus being solely on this game, which obviously has paid dividends. I don't think the last few weeks they've been playing too badly. I mean, they were you know incredibly unfortunate in that that home um, game against Gangon, where they conceded two injury time injury time goals after being in a in a two uh, a two goal position two goal winning position. They haven't been playing too badly, so I think now to actually have you know played, you know, still played reasonably well, but perhaps not even been the best team on the pitch, but take away the three points, is a massive confidence boost. We've talked about it with Met when they won at, at, at Ren, it gives the team that taste of victory. What, what does it feel like to win a game? And the, you know, that the sort of rush of emotion that that brings and the positive vibes throughout the squad. And what they need to do, which Mets didn't quite quite do, which is, you know, has, has resulted them in, in the position that they're now in, is take that into the next game. Remember how that feels. And it, it, it's it's probably in it's probably helps Lille, I think, that it's another absolutely massive, massive game against a rival who, if they can win that game, it gets them out of the it gets them out of the the automatic drop zone and brings you know another team further into the mire with them. Um, and so it's an absolutely it's an absolutely massive game. You know, you feel confident to say the winner of that if there is a winner is probably safe. The loser of that game, if there's a loser, is probably down. Um, it's it's that much. That much is hinging on it, you feel. Um, uh, you know, Lee will be looking at that thinking, well, you know, we've, we can't, we can't, we obviously can't lose focus of that game. But beyond that, the game after is at home to Dijon. Dijon have nothing to play for. That's, that's a potentially winnable game. But they're then away at Saint-Étienne on the last game of the season, with potentially Saint-Étienne needing the points for Europa for a Europa League spot. So it's it puts probably even more importance on getting something from that Toulouse game, even if it's just avoiding defeat, even a point. Um, but I think they also then have to be wary that that Toulouse have a, a, a fairly ish straightforward run in the, after the after Lille at home. They're at Bordeaux away. Again, Bordeaux don't really have anything to play for. Gangon at home. Again, Gangon don't really have anything to play for. So you can see them, you know, the battling qualities of Toulouse. You could see them nicking a point at, at Bordeaux. You could see them even nicking a win at home to Gangon. They were they were relatively unlucky against Rennes at the weekend, I thought Toulouse were. Um, you know, they went ahead, slightly fortuitous goal. But it, you know, again, it was not a classic Ren performance. It was, well, in a way, it was a classic Ren performance. <laughs> it was, it was a struggle. It was not pretty. Um, it was, you know, another win by, you know, an ugly, ugly performance. But it's going to be such a huge game, this, because as I say, so much riding on it. It's, it, it's beyond a six pointer now. It's a, it's a stay in league, relegated to league, league match. It's. It's almost a playoff in itself. 
Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that was the funny thing about that friend Toulouse game. I mean, even Albon Lafont almost uh, grabbed an equaliser, which had been really spectacular and really would have summed up uh, this uh, relegation battle we've been having. But that, that game has more significance for both sides because both now need a win because of the result that Trois got just against Caen. It was it obviously come from behind and they've been hinting at a performance like this over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, they had a couple of recent games against tough sides in Saint-Étienne and Marseille, but they were ahead twice against Marseille, but eventually pegged back in the end. They were ahead again against Lever, but they came back to win 2-1 and they finally got one over the line. Maybe, But at the same time, with the games that are coming up, they've got Leon next weekend who are on a fantastic run themselves chasing for that second spot um they've then got a game against montpellier who might be out of the european uh, fight now and then a game against monaco who maybe are on the beach at the same time so th- there is still opportunity but twi at the same time have proven that they they're not afraid of these bigger teams at the moment aren't afraid to try and attack them and, and try and make things happen but at the same time at least they've given themselves a glimmer of hope in, in what looked like a season slipping away that's the thing. I think um, we've all been writing off Troyes for a while just because they were on such a bad run and had such a difficult running. But you know, this was always the match that they absolutely had to win just to give them a fighting chance. And um, you know, to extent to an extent, it was a good time to play Caen because Caen just caught up on their their postponed match. So you know, as you said, two very difficult matches that would have taken a lot out of them physically and emotionally against Marseille and. Um, uh, Saint Etienne, um, but then Caen had had um, had that extra match in midweek, so it was a good time to um, to sort of take advantage of Caen perhaps being um, a little more tired. And Trois showed great character. Caen went ahead, I think, in the first or second minute, something like that. Um, and Trois immediately reacted. Um, helped by some dodgy goalkeeping by Verkut, but you know you have to make your own luck. And and they, you know, the goal came from a, a deep free kick that was swung in um, a couple of minutes before that. They almost scored actually with an almost identical um, situation, so it wasn't entirely um, luck on their part. Nive, 41 year old, still still working magic um, with with um, with the goal to put them ahead. Um, so. It's still going to be tough for them, but they've just given themselves, um, I guess, a lifeline. Or you know, similarly to, to to what you said about Lille taking something into the next match, that's what Trois should be able to do. They should be able to take a lot of confidence, even from those two defeats against Marseille and Saint Etienne, but certainly from this win. And while um, again, that the form that Lyon are in at the moment, you wouldn't expect Trois to get anything from that. You, as we said before, you never entirely know with Leon if the team really gets stuck in and, and sort of um, gives them a bit of a fright early on, can see possibly heads going down, that kind of thing. So I still wouldn't necessarily be putting any money on Trois to stay up, but you know, it helps again that, that Lille and Toulouse are playing each other, so they're not both going to get points. Um, so, you know, they're not both going to sort of run away. Um, so I think Troyes will be sort of in touch for the rest of the season. And there's the, the sort of second chance of the playoffs. So all they need to do is try to, um, you know, better whatever Lille do in the run-in 
and then um you know then sort of take their chances against whoever whoever's left in the in in the playoffs in league two which isn't going to be a formality at all but the fact that they're they're fighting i thought they could well be dead and buried by now um and I think it was a you know really characterful performance to to come back from that early goal down and and you know play some nice football as well. It wasn't just you know really ugly, um, dirty six point six points relegation battle where um, you know everyone was scared to make mistakes and and the goal just came from a from a mistake or one piece of genius that it was the 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 second and third trois goals were classy goals you know nice moves good finishes and they you know they they've made they deserve the chance that they've given themselves yeah absolutely and fair play to them if we kept on writing them off really but at the same time a couple more teams have been well at least one more team you might say come maybe you've just got enough and stay out of it but Strasbourg got a draw against Nice. They were ahead in that game as well, Rich, and, but were pegged back in the end. And, and I've had a couple of results like that recently. They've got um, Ren this next upcoming weekend who might give them a helping hand. I'm not sure. <laughs> Your team, Rich, might still be facing for, for European football, but they've also got a game against uh, an informed Leon side like the weekend after. And then maybe their saving grace really is that game against Nantes who were in absolute free fall at the moment. But at the same time, they have to be looking over their shoulders at the moment, especially with that game between Toulouse and Lille at the weekend, that a victory for either of those sides puts Strasbourg, especially if they lose that game against Rennes, uh, right back into the mix and worrying about their own safety. Yeah, I mean, they're just in absolutely torrid form at the minute. I mean, I think it's only two league wins since, uh, since we came back from the winter break. Which is just, you know, Lille have, Lille have won more than that. And, and look at the mess that Lille are in. Um, it, it's not it's not going well. And it, it, certainly if I was a Strasbourg fan, I'd be feeling quite nervous right now, especially with those those wins for, for Toir and, and Lille at the weekend. Because all of a sudden, with, with Lille and Toulouse winning, you know, a winner in that game, um, looking at the... Um, uh, looking at the goal difference of the respective clubs, a win for either team, either to Lille or to lose, puts them above Strasbourg. Um, you know, almost a. It's it's you know they're going to be more than any other team are going to be praying for a draw there, um, because it's not it's not a particularly nice run in for Strasbourg. You know they're you know even though we've said that that Nantes themselves are in free fall, it's not like Strasbourg are playing well themselves. So even coming up against a team that's that's in free fall is still no gimme. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I'm a if I'm a Strasbourg fan, I'm I'm feeling very very nervous at the moment because it's a it's not going to be a particularly fun May, I don't think. For them. I think there might just be enough in the tank for them to stay up, but it's going to be very close, and they they really cannot afford to um, to drop their efforts in even one percent. No, it's going to go right down to the wire, it feels like, for a lot of these teams are heading into the 
the back end of the season with so many games, especially like we say, we cannot emphasize enough how big that game is in Toulouse next weekend. That's going to really shape for a lot of teams, not just themselves, but a lot of other teams around them, uh, what might happen in the in the near future. On to well, our final section this weekend and a plane to Russia one that I thought would be a really interesting one to visit because you never know how football changes over a month and a half. And a month and a half ago, we talked about one man in Marseille called Dimitri Payet said he was absolutely not going to the World Cup. He would not be on the plane. He wouldn't even be on the shortlist for it. But at the same time, you mix in things like Anthony Martial not playing many games, Tommy Lamar in a torrid form and we don't know exactly where his head at is at the moment. Kingsley Coman injured, Nobel Fakir um, poss- only just coming back from injury so might not be quite fully fit and, and had a couple of little setbacks recently as well combined with a man that's now in good form really it's, it's, it seems like a strange thing to say for for the man for if for 18 months it's not quite gone Paye's way but at the moment especially in the Europa League games he's taken the games by the scruff of the neck and shown his experience and he's a seasoned campaigner with France he obviously did well in the European Championships with them so Jez has your opinion softened on him any any more folk for possibly being a spot in that World Cup squad? Yeah, it's kind of softened and hardened. Um, it's hardened in the, the form he's in now, sort of with hindsight, makes it makes his form of the last 18 months absolutely disgraceful. I don't think it's just bad luck. I think a lot of the time he was making little or no effort for a lot of that time. And now that suddenly there's the incentive of the World Cup, um, he's suddenly playing to his best. I think is pretty um, sort of insulting of fans and teammates and, and everyone else over that last period. But yeah, the form he's in at the moment proves what a, what a great player he can be on his day. And um, as you said, with the, the lack of form of certain other players, I do think Deschamps will be tempted to, to, to bring him in. I think Deschamps likes Lamar, so I think he, he may well still stick with him. But it really is a concern the way he's playing. And I wonder if whether or not Mendy makes the squad may have um, a bearing on, on, on Deschamps' picks because Mendy and, and Lamar combined so brilliantly last season. But, you know, it is still going to be a young squad. And I, I, in the form he's in at the moment, it's difficult to leave him out. Even if he doesn't start, it's hard to hard to leave him out of the squad, I think. My, my main concern with Payet still is... Firstly, that <coughs> you say he had a very good European Championships. He had a Benzema-style European Championships and that he looked absolutely fantastic for the first two matches of the group stage and then vanished a little bit. So it's, again, whether he can sort of keep it up consistently. But in terms of the last couple of months and in Ligue and Europe, he certainly has done so. And the other one, which I think has always been a problem for him for France and something that Deschamps always worried about, is his absolute complete lack of interest in in helping whoever is playing left back and helping out in defence. And particularly seeing as fullbacks are the problem position for France, I think that is going to be an important factor and um, something that Deschamps may bear in mind when it comes to to picking his starting lineup. Um, but yeah, on, in terms of current form, I think Paya probably has bricked his ticket on the plane. Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Ridge? How how things change so dramatically, quite quickly, and you can add even to that list the play, other players that you think of, like you know, Dembele, who's who's really not 
hit the ground running at Barcelona this season, despite their their successes, and and you think that there's not many others that are, are vying for a place other than maybe someone like Mbappe and Tovan and and, and Fakir if he can prove his fitness in these last couple of games as well, but. He's back in the equation and there's an impact player and with someone with experience, if he does turn it on, he's someone you want. Yeah, I think in terms of the sort of playmakery kind of role, I think it's coming it is seems to be coming down to to probably only one of three, and that's Lamar, Payet and Fekir. I think each have their their part. I mean, Lamar obviously has the advantage of being the man in the squad at the moment. Um, you know, he's the man that that Deschamps has been picking recently. Payet has the advantage of being the form player of the three. He is most definitely the player in form and carries that experience as well. And then Fekir, I think, carries the fact that I, I, I think of the three, he's probably the most talented in that particular role. I think the way that he can interact with players, bring players in, um, I think he can, he can offer certainly everything I think Payet can offer on the pitch and a little bit more. It's just obviously he is just coming back from a, a bit of a knock. So I think you can make you can make cases for and against all three of those. Um, certainly at the moment, I think your strongest case is for Payet. I think being the player in form, plus having that experience um, in, a, in an attack where maybe France are going to be a little bit inexperienced. You know, if you're going to think that Dembele is going, if you're going to think that that Tovan's going, if you're going to think that that uh, Mbappe's going, maybe having someone like Payet in that more advanced role will help them out. Um, but of course, yeah, you do run the risk of, you know, he disappears in the, in the, in the, well, certainly at Euro 2016, didn't perform anywhere near to the levels that we'd seen earlier in the tournament um, when once we reached the knockout stages of that. But of course, you know, at least he's got experience of that. Lamar and Fekir don't. So it's it's a very complicated one. It's a very tough decision, I think, that, that Deschamps is going to have to make here. Um, I personally believe, I think Payet will get a call up here. Um, I think what we've seen from Lamar over the last few weeks, I, it's not it's not something that, that Deschamps is going to look at kindly. You know, he's always been about the harmony of the squad, without a shadow of a doubt. And displaying that kind of attitude that Lamar has shown at club level, I don't think it's going to go down well with Deschamps. Um, so I, and I, I think, think it might more be at Martial's expense. Hmm. Is my uh, fear. I don't know, but that's my It, it could be, but I, I, I do think... Um, I, I would personally prefer to see Fekir, I think. Of the three, I think I would rather see Fekir, just because I think he can offer a little bit more. But if you're telling me who I think Deschamps will pick, I think he's going down down the payout route. I think Fek I I agree. I'd quite like Fekir to to be in there, but I think his disadvantage is that he's still much more effective as a central player, and whereas the other two can play in the centre, they're much more accustomed to playing on the left. And I just I think that the the systems and the and the personnel that Deschamps like, I think he's probably more interested in someone who's who can who can play on the left, um, sort of as a priority, and then also able to play in the centre. Whereas Fekir, I think, is more the other way around, and that might work to his disadvantage. But I, you know, he was he's been so unlucky the last couple of years with injury. I certainly wouldn't begrudge him a place. But I agree that I think Payet's definitely favourite at the moment. 
absolutely incredible that th- <laughs> how fast these things can change really and um, just before we go tonight i wanted to make a quick mention to um sadly that the on tuesday april 24th the uh, former Nolte and, and france international uh, Henri michel unfortunately lost his life played uh, loads and loads of games for not in the 60s and 70s when they were really successful 58 caps for the national side even managed them and had a successful spell with monaco where he brought them to the World Cup in his home country as well, which was a terrific thing. And uh, I'm sure many Scotsmen will remember, or <laughs> kind of remember at least their last appearance in the tournament when they were beaten 3-0 by that Morocco side, although they might not take too kindly to them reminding me. But a great man, a, a famous partier as well by by many. And there's a great piece on our on our website by uh, our very own Philip Bargiel on the, on the great uh, Henri Michel. But our thoughts to uh, his family and friends at this sad time. Um, that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Jez, and all of you listening at home. Do join us for the preview show, which is going to be a cracker after Marseille's game on Thursday. And the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.